All right, uh, I'd like to introduce Mr. Ron Honig. He's the hatchery manager at the University of Miami Experimental Fishery. Uh, um, he's going to talk with me about some environmental issues that he deals with uh, with the hatchery and just what what happens there and how it is to how it's like to farm fish. Uh, so, Mr. Honig, how does aquaculture affect the environment differently than uh, terrestrial farming? Like, how does it compare? Well, thank you, Mason. You know, I'm obviously a, a supporter of aquaculture and, mm-hmm. you know, have been doing a lot of research over the years in this in this field. And, you know, one of the things we have with growing, you know, fish and seafood uh, is it's a more efficient uh, production uh, methods and the more efficient resource use by the animals. So fish convert food more efficiently than terrestrial animals, mm-hmm. and that's for a number of reasons. Fish do not have to regulate their body temperature. They do not have to fight gravity. Um, they don't build big, heavy bones like a cow that needs to support that's all that mass. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's a far more efficient protein source for us to be farming. Huh, okay, yeah. So you're you're getting a lot more, uh, for lack of a better word, meat out of less uh, input resources, basically. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. The food conversion ratio on, say, a farmed salmon is about a one point two pounds of feed that goes into that fish to produce one pound of biomass Hmm. and if we look at say a cow you're going to put about eight pounds of feed into that cow to get one pound of biomass oh okay so the question of sustainability it's really no contest basically no um there's there's plenty of other um issues to think about in terms of the full production process Mm -hmm. but um, you know, properly sited aquaculture farms and properly managed farms are a, a much better option for us to get our animal protein needs than um, terrestrial uh, proteins. Okay, so, so then in comparison with regular uh, terrestrial agriculture, what are some of the sort of drawbacks that you have to consider for aquaculture, but you wouldn't have to consider for uh, farming cows, for example? Well, I mean, certainly if you're going to um, do freshwater aquaculture, that freshwater is a finite resource that is, as we see around the U.S. and around the world, in higher and higher demand. Mm -hmm. So um, you need water to grow fish. So That becomes an issue. But when we move into the ocean environments, um, certainly nearshore environments uh, suffer from, you know, some pollution issues. Uh, Certainly, uh, there's also conflicting uses with, say, shipping or uh, recreational uses that you have to consider. So there's not a, at least in the U.S., there's, there's not a lot of, uh, ocean aquaculture going on hmm. and uh, you're sort of fighting an uphill battle against all these other user groups that are currently occupying those spaces 
So one of the things we sort of have been looking at over the years is moving really out into the open ocean where you have uh, a lot of sort of space to, to do these activities and you are not in sensitive areas, say coastal reefs or estuaries. And, um, you know, the amount of acreage you need out there is a fraction of what you need uh, for terrestrial protein because you because you're utilizing you know the full volume sort of three-dimensional farming your cages can be you know 50 feet deep uh, not just you know the six feet <laughs> that a cow occupies off the right. ground okay yeah huh, okay so the, it's definitely more efficient for space uh not only that but also uh food as you mentioned um and you did mention earlier to me that you were using uh, salt water from the Florida aquifer, right? Well, you can, you know, there is a, a land-based farm here down in South Florida. It's a, it's a, it's actually a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are growing Atlantic salmon and they're using um, saline groundwater. And it's, it's deep, it's deep down about 1500 feet or so. Uh, and that's really water that has no, other agricultural benefits because you can't put salt water on crops. But here in Florida, we've got, uh, and, uh, and other coastal areas, you have a lot of saltwater intrusion as well. So, okay. um, finding, um, new uses for these, for, uh, lands and, and how to using new technologies to help produce, you know, sustainable seafood. Right. So in other words, that's very sustainable and there's almost like no other use for that water, as you as you said. Correct. Okay. Um, so you we were speaking earlier also about uh the consumer side of eating wild or farmed fish. Uh why should people care about farmed versus uh wild fish and basically what well, I- what do people need to know that they that most people wouldn't know already. Well, I think people need to, you know, have a little better understanding of where their seafood is coming from. Um, right. Most ocean fisheries, wild capture fisheries, are not really sustainable. Um, hmm. They're they're at sort of their maximum yield, and a lot of them are overfished. And there's a lot of illegal fishing that goes on as well. You know, probably an estimated, you know. 20% more fish are caught than are reported. Hmm. Um, so that is not a sustainable uh, way for humans to get seafood. You know, it's not sustainable right now, and it's not going to be sustainable 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Probably even uh, less. <laughs> yeah. So over the last couple of decades, uh, we've seen that with increased aquaculture production. So now aquaculture uh, accounts for somewhere 60, 65% of all the global seafood production. So there's more seafood being farmed than there is being harvested from the wild. Um, and, and that's going to continue as we see demand increasing for these products, uh, with, you know, other environmental issues facing our oceans, such as habitat loss, uh, rising sea surface temperatures, um, that's not going to allow our wild capture fisheries to support the 
sort of high level of uh, take from them. So we need to have increased aquaculture production and, you know, consumers also don't necessarily realize it, especially here in the U.S. We import over 90% of our seafood. And while we don't do a lot of aquaculture here in the U.S., aquaculture is a big business all around the world and we're importing all those products. So we really should be focusing on doing more of that stuff domestically and supporting domestic farms, um, because they are, you know, we want a U.S. product. Right. There's, there's more oversight. There's a lot of, you know, there's a, it's probably over-regulated here in the U.S. That's why there isn't a lot of production. Hmm. Um, but we want to be supportive of those products um, rather than importing something, you know, from China. Yeah, of course, because um, we, of course, can stimulate our own economy a little bit, but also reduce the pollution that, is uh, emitted by transporting all of the seafood and also probably give Americans a much fresher product, I'm sure. Yeah, certainly you get closer to, you know, you can site these farms, especially land-based ones, close to the markets. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why uh, this company, Atlantic Sapphire, built a huge land-based salmon farm in South Florida. It's to... Um, avoid shipping the the shipping costs and footprint from from flying salmon into the U.S. from either Chile or, or Norway, hmm. uh, the main the main salmon producers. Hmm. They said, "Well, we're going to save money on that. We're going to have a lower carbon footprint from doing that, and we're going to be right here in South Florida, where you know the majority of salmon that comes out of Chile flies right through Miami International." Huh. <laughs> Ironic. And and um, as you said earlier, this building is eight acres just for my for Mister Howout and my classmates. An eight acre building. Yeah, and that is just their phase one building. Right. <laughs> phase two, they will build another eight acre building, and phase three, I think it's it's going to be even larger than eight acres <laughs> for the building <laughs> there. But it's it's pretty amazing the amount of production that they believe will come out of that site. You know, we're talking about uh, an eight-acre building that's going to produce 10,000 metric tons of salmon every year. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of salmon. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> and when they're, when they're fully up and running, they want to capture 10% of the U.S. market out of this single, you know, I don't know, 100, either, it's either 80 acres or 120-acre site, something like that. Hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot of fish. I mean, that's certainly a very uh, big push, and it seems to be coming pretty rapidly, I'd say. Yeah, there's a there's a number of other projects similar to that one going in um, along the East Coast, a couple in Maine. There's, I think there's one planned for the, somewhere in the Mid-Atlantic where you guys are, either maybe Maryland or New Jersey, okay. and and another farm out on the West Coast in Northern California, I believe. So, you know, this this push for, for land-based farming here in the U.S. is is moving forward. You know, the demand is here in the U.S. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So, well, it's very exciting to speak with someone who's really on the cutting edge of all this, and uh, it seems to be very... Uh, very sustainable and almost like the future of uh, our 
food and meat production in America. But are there any threats to this that could put it all in danger or just anything we haven't covered about potential issues in the down the road? I mean, I think there's there's always concerns about you know major climate events and, and disruptions to all of our systems because you know aquaculture still relies on some wild fish inputs right. for their feeds also relies on agri- you know terrestrial crops soy and wheat and corn and stuff like that in part you know, makes up part of the diets mm-hmm. so there's there's those things that are um you have to rely still on other farming aspects to produce those and harvest those so there's certainly concern over that but at least with land-based you know very controlled environments you know if if temperatures go up a couple degrees you can still maintain complete control over your production systems whereas you know wild capture fisheries you know a couple degrees you know changes in, in ocean temperatures cause fish to migrate to different areas may you know take them out of you know appropriate spawning and and juvenile areas you know so there's there's um i think greater concerns over uh significant problems with our wild fisheries hmm. well it's it's actually uh very refreshing to hear about uh some new way of getting food that is actually less problematic because all we talk about in my environmental science class is all the problems involved with uh, all of our practices. And uh, like I said, it's very refreshing to hear that this is almost something that can reduce these problems. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, no human activity is without some sort of footprint. Of course. So, you know, that's something we're looking at is how do we lessen our footprint with aquaculture? And I think aquaculture helps lessen our overall footprint with protein production. Um, so, you know, just making strides to to improve that uh, is the way we need to tackle this problem. Well, well I mean, yeah, uh, that's perfect. Thank you very much, Mr. Honig. Uh I don't really know how to end the podcast, I guess, so...